We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Should have uh, warned you guys, we're probably going to have a special guest here in a few minutes. And when I mean special, I mean a little tiny guest. Uh, I was, I was, I was wondering who it could be. Do I need to, do I need to watch my language right now or, uh, not right now. When, but... when the guest joins, I should watch my yes. language. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That would, it would, it would be preferred. So, so the guest is small, but not so small that language would not matter. So correct. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the smallest one is sound asleep. Right. I hope, right. at least, but... <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. The, the other ones are up, uh, baking my birthday cake actually right now. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. Right, everyone. So, Colin's got a yeah. big birthday tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Whoa. Yeah. Halfway to 40, baby. I know. Fucking crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, getting old, yeah. old as dirt. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. But before that, we have a super fun episode today. Uh, among many other things, I'm going to dive in with just a couple housekeeping notes. Um, first off, Valentine's Day sucks. I hope you guys agree with me. Um, but tell me, cause you're both in relationships now. So, uh, maybe you disagree. I'm not going to give you time to do that right now, but I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. Um, Matt, I had. I th- did you see the beer that I tagged you in on Untapped? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, oh no, I'm not up. I went to the I went to the Queen City uh, Brew Fest on Saturday with Toddy. I saw you guys were there. Yeah, my parents got us tickets for Christmas, and so they came into town, watched the girls, and we went to the fest. It was I thought even better this year than last year when I went with a friend of the podcast, Dalvin. And uh, anyway. Uh, there was a beer from Resident Culture, which is kind of like a low-key, you know, pretty pretty decent, especially for IPAs. I, I really like it. Um, and we used to go there much more often when we lived in Plaza Midwood because it was right on the, the main drag in Charlotte here. Um, we don't go there quite as often, but uh, we, we found the booth uh, and they had an IPA. And so I started drinking it and immediately I'm like, wow, this, this is different than any other drink I've had all day, you know, and everything like this is really good. And so I look it up, uh, cause it's, you know, busy. So I'm not hanging around the booth, you know, very long or anything, but I get the name, I look it up. It's a fucking collab with other half. It's called, uh, sleeping, sleeping on, on the black, black top. top. Yeah. Yep. Um, I called the brewery yesterday, uh, to see, cause I, I went online and it doesn't look like they have any. 
And uh, so I called the brewery. They didn't have any at the plaza location. I haven't had a chance to call the South End location. I've seen on Untapped, there's like a beer store that uh, it was verified uh, that you can get it at. But I'm really going to try to find at least one four pack so I can send you guys a couple uh, each and everything. And um, if there's more than one four pack, I'll get one for myself too. But uh, it was so good. But I just couldn't believe that. It was the other half. I was like, no way. Of course. It was It was just so cool. <laughs> Colin, the way your birthday worked, we're supposed to send you stuff. You're not supposed to send us stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is just coincidental timing that, you know, Brewfest is, they always do it. It's like a Super Bowl Saturday thing. Like, that's their thing, um, which in the Super Bowl happened, especially even now because it's pushed back later. It's always the weekend before my birthday, it seems like. So, um yeah, it was it was fucking incredible, but I just wanted to give that that quick beer update before we talk about our actual beers. Uh, and um, real quick, my last housekeeping item uh, before I forget, I just want to give a shout out to cousin Greg through his first career three hundred. And um, woo, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm a long ways off from ever getting there, so I don't even know what it would feel like. What's but, your high score, Kyle? Uh, in the two fifties, two sixties. I mean, that was. Ten years. That's ago. still pretty fucking yeah, so. impressive. So I'm yeah. I'm earmuffs. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's well. Hello, that's, that's rather impressive. <laughs> Hi, Stella. Oh, hey, Toddy. What's up? You can say something in the mic. We were just having an awesome time making Dada's birthday cake. Ooh, fun. Are you allowed to tell us what flavor? What kind of cake? What kind of cake was it? Uh, cookie. Cookie Ooh, cake. Ooh, yum. The what best was in it though. Uh, m They're Reese's Pieces. Oh, okay. Nice. Ooh. Awesome. That, yum, yum, right? That That's, that's going to be really good. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of cake? Uh, cookie cake. Cookie cake? All right, good. Yeah. Just like Dada, huh? But in July, he made me a cookie cake. That's true for your birthday. Yeah. In July, yeah. Awesome. I did. Because your birthday is every July, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Right, buddy, should we say good night? No, I need a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got to say good night. Good night. Good night, Stella. We love you, buddy. Tell me how the cookie cake is. <laughs> Will do. Bye. 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 Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, it's a good score, you know, like you said, Ethan, but I, I I think that's only like ripping off the first seven. Like you're not even into, the, you know, like the eighth inning okay. <laughs> you know, type thing where you're really feeling the pressure yeah. of, a, of a perfect game uh, right. and everything. Right. So I, I was um, going to say that for, for the listeners out there, our high school used to be co-located pretty close to a bowling alley. So once a year, mm-hmm. gym class would have a bowling unit. Where oh, since, yeah. since gym gym classes were you know blocks were eighty six minutes long, there was enough time for everyone to load up into a bus, drive mm-hmm. to the bowling alley, <laughs> um, get shoes and bowl. And if you were like me, who had to find you know rig the system for everything, our gym class had an odd number, so I would always just go to the end of the end of the alley. They'd make you pair up, but I was like, wow, like I guess I'm going to be the single one today, and I'd go and bowl <laughs> as much as I could. Um, and again, I'm no, I'm not nearly the bowler that Colin is, but. That's the best I've ever done was seven strikes in a row to start a game. And yeah. um, 
Coach Spataro, the football coach, was my gym teacher, and he walked over behind me without me knowing. And right as I'm, you know, addressing the line and getting ready to roll number eight, he just says, "Don't mess up." And what do you know? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> wow. So I think I think wow. I ended up. I think like a two forty was like I just after that just <clears throat> tanks. Yeah, <sighs> it's such a letdown, yeah. isn't it? Like, like you feel you feel that pressure, and then well, like by one and... by five and six, I was like, I've never done this well. Like I've never gotten more than four <laughs> strikes in a row. What's right. going on? And I mean, I I don't even bowl at all that great. Like I just kind of palm it, and then just like. Burp. Like it almost looks like I'm two handing it. Just, just <laughs> I don't swing the ball. I don't do anything. I kind of like underhand shot put it. Yeah, and spin it a little bit. Um, I just uh, whenever so. I think of bowling now, I think of there's there's a Parks and Rec episode where there's a bunch of bowling, and uh, Colin, you've oh, yeah. seen it. I don't know if Matt saw it, but Ron Swanson talks about how he does like straight down the middle, no frou frou spins, anything Shit. more, and it becomes figure skating. <laughs> And then Tom Haverford bowls. He goes and he like kneels down at the line and rolls it with two hands. And he like, and he does an amazing job. I haven't gone bowling in years, but next time I think I'm going to try the Tom Haverford method. <laughs> yeah. uh, love it. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, uh, what are we drinking then? Let's talk about our beers. Let's start with Ethan. I want to go last. Okay. So, okay. um, I don't have anything, but it's for a good reason. Um, so I, you, obviously I'm two hours behind you guys. So it's a little earlier for me. And so after the pod, um, I have two bottles of Casey in my fridge. So, um, my partner and I are going to open one of them after the pod and, and have one with dinner. I said to her, I was like, what if I have a one, you know, I have my first glass on the pod and then I have my next glass with you afterwards. And she was like, no way. Like the amazing Casey beers, <laughs> you have to drink them with me. And that's that. So uh, so the, the law was laid down there, but, but, um, yeah, so, so I'll be having my Casey afterwards. Uh, um, so, so nothing during for, for today. Do you, do you remember what you have? Yeah. So I got, I got two bottles. So there's, um, there's this bar in town that has like amazing selection. And, um, one of them is the, um, perfection apricot. Okay. Um, That'll be good. that was, yeah, it was bottled in, in August of 22, and I actually have had that one before. I bought that one in December. They've been carrying it for a while now. And um, it was amazing. But I figured it's been a while and I wanted to get it again. And then um, the second one is the one they've also been carrying that I haven't tried yet. It's the um, Funky Blender Preserves with Apricot and Vanilla. Ooh, okay. and I think that one was bottled in 21. Um, so, yeah, that one I haven't had. So um, I'm I'm very curious. But like we've talked about, I mean, I've had probably four or five now. And every single one of them, I think, has just been like amazing. Yeah, it, it, for, it, they have at least they'd had a, a series called the Family Preserve series. It was all sorts of berries, and all like jammy stuff. And I think they have they do a beer with side project out of St. Louis called Jammy. That's oh, just cool! Amazing. Um, so yeah, they're 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 consistently hitting home runs, and mm-hmm. I think they might still be on brewery only releases. They will occasionally do an IPA. Oh um, no, shit! Interesting. And, and, like you would expect, like they're they're one of them. Like oh, they're doing an IPA, it's gonna be good. Like oh shit, like it's yeah. gonna be good, right? Um, so I've right. only been lucky once or twice to get one of their non, you know, funky beers when they're mm-hmm. or as 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 beer snobs would call it, one of their clean beers, clean um, beers. Yeah, non non sour, non you know funky are called clean. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I've only ever had a couple other clean beers, but very good as well. So yeah, I nice. almost had a sour tonight. I almost had a. I've got a peach three fountain in, but it's like oh. seven and a half percent. I didn't want to. I didn't want to dome the whole bottle by myself tonight on the a pod, peach so. one. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I'll be curious to hear about that when we have it. So you mean like one of the 750 milliliter bottles, yeah. like the ones that I got for New Year's? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've got yeah. like five or six of those kind of stashed away in my basement. All right. Yeah. Doing a whole one of those by yourself would definitely do a number, I think. I mean, if it was like 4% oh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at seven but not, and a half. But not seven and a half. That, that'll yeah. have to come later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting though. Yeah. Because the ones that I had were those, I think we talked about it at the time, were like the sour cherry and raspberry, I think. Yep. Which were great. But yeah, I'm, I'm super. I'm super curious what the peach one will be like. That's cool. They're out of Belgium, right, Matt? Yep, they're right? in Belgium. Yeah. yeah. So, what are you guys doing? What are you guys having? I've got another Matt Root. Nice. Other half. Nelson today, tomorrow, forever. Mm-hmm. From New Double Zealand Hot Week, yeah. Yep. Yep. Very, very good. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've just run out of good things to say about other half they're just amazing yep yeah definitely jealous of you matt they uh i i missed a bunch of their their beers recently i've been like purposely trying to fight beer fomo (laughs) it's like beer fomo or um the the, like you know gotta catch them all like i'm never gonna catch them all i gotta (laughs) i gotta stop that Um, so i've actually been making a concerted effort to like clean out my fridge oh so that's why you turned me down when i was offering to bring you home a a fancy new stout from weldworks yes he said that to you yeah did you say that specifically yes so i'm 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 trying to drink through a lot of what i got so right now i've got um two cans from from uh equilibrium oh nice they're new york valley in new york it's called mobius it's an american porter i got it for christmas sweet Mm. very good um it's not you know it's not quite my top Top pantheon of of porters. That's got to be uh, founders. Founders porter. It's just, oh, it's just called founders porter. Yeah, is phenomenal. Uh-huh. Like the the tagline underneath. It used to have this old Victorian lady on. I think they've changed the label now, but um, it would just say dark, rich, and sexy on it. Um, mm-hmm. And that that that's like the standard bearer for me for a good porter. But this is very good. Equilibrium's down in Middle Middleton, Middletown, Middleton, Middletown, um, um, in the Hudson Valley. Uh, also a very good brewery. Um, a lot of science and like calculus pun beers. Like this is called Mobius because uh, it's um, making fun of the Mobius strip, which is like a I don't, know, I don't even know how to describe it. Like a multi, like it's got one side or I don't know. I, don't, I got let me look it up because I'm gonna sl- Mobius. It's like a fancy shape. It's a geometry thing. Mobius strip. It's a loop where the surface can be formed by attaching the ends of a strip to strip of paper together with a half twist. Okay. Um, and I guess there's special properties about it. Anyway. So, um, Matt, really quickly, since you mentioned porters, um, I remember having Founders Porter back in the day and really enjoying it. But, but you know, I haven't had dark beers barely at all in the last few years. But you guys will remember that for a time, about like breakfast time. 20, yeah, 2013, 14, 15, I was all about dark beers, didn't like IPAs at all. And I was drinking just like stouts and porters all the time. And Matt, you will certainly remember that like one of my very favorites at the time uh, was Eddie Fitz, Edmund Fitzgerald out of, out of Great Lakes in Cleveland. I'm wondering, have, have you had that at all in the last, like in recent years? Like, is it still good? 
Like I haven't um, had it in probably God, not in the last three years. years. Yeah. Um, I, I want to have it again now that I'm thinking about it. I like don't even see it anymore. I don't know if they don't distribute out here or what. Uh, um, they don't distribute out to Colorado, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, they're they're growing as a regional brewer, but. Yeah. Well, because um, they used to be in, in upstate New York all the time. I mean, I used to get them at Wegmans when Colin and I were living together and stuff, and they'd be at yeah, all the local and bars. Shame on me. When we were in Cleveland a couple of years ago, I should, we should, I should have taken you there. We went to Fatheads instead, but. Um, oh, but I think we had. But Fatheads was awesome, if I recall correctly. So I don't I don't regret it. But um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, just your talk of porters. I was like, oh man, I wonder, I wonder if Edmund Fitzgerald is still good because I, man, I fucking loved that beer. Yeah, no, uh, uh, porters are you know darker beers are an easy like they're even though they can be heavy and they can be alcoholic, usually more approachable than like a lip smack and IPA. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's 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 a path a lot of people have taken. So yeah, yeah. Um, but then then you get the IPAs and it's just you know there's a gazillion out there. Yeah. Although you're 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 progressing nicely among the beer nerd spectrum. Now you're on the sours. I know, it's really funny. <laughs> like I really am kind of like following this like this path. I never thought that I would really appreciate sours and I'm even I'm even getting to the point where I like I'm appreciating the uh the uh the pilsners and the lagers and I was shit say, like pilsners we were talking and about. Are next and then uh, you know like the final like you've achieved beer nerd status and I'm yeah. not even quite there yet is barley <laughs> wines, but I'm like I'm starting to drink a little bit more barley wine now. I'm going it's okay, okay like so that. so so it's funny you say that right because you remember that Colin and I one time randomly bought the Middle Ages barley the wine Druid when we lived fluid. together. Like, what fluid. the hell are you guys buying that for? And we liked it, right? Kyle, <laughs> yeah. Kyle I don't know if you remember, but I remember we enjoyed yeah. it. We didn't know what we were yeah. doing. We were just like, "Oh, <laughs> this sounds interesting and it's a local brewery. Let's try it." And we ended up liking mm-hmm. it. I don't think I've had a barley wine since. I don't know. I don't know how I, I would like it now. Yeah. But, now yeah. when I was first starting to drink beer, there was there was two barley like same thing. I, I bought one Sierra Nevada Bigfoot Way back in like 2011. And then I also bought, Founders had a beer called Nemesis, which was a 17% like maple maple syrup punched up barley wine. Um, Jesus fuck. And I was like, yeah. oh, these are good. Like, you know, but it's really syrupy. And like, it kind of never, never really gave much of a thought of it, you know, to it again uh, until later years as I drank more and more beer. So now, no. now I, it's it's sad. I use barley wines. Like I've got a bunch of really good ones, but when I when I open them, I'll drink like six ounces, and then I like put the rest in the beef stew I'm making or something like that. Like <laughs> you know, it's like beef and barley stew, right? Beef and barley wine. You just yeah, use I the like boil down your, your meat. So uh-huh. yeah, um, yeah. the the best I, I did it once, and on by kind of by accident, I made like the best beef stew I've ever made. So. I'm like chasing that again. Like, uh, <laughs> what combination of barley wine will give me that? <laughs> so, nice. But yeah, equilibrium yeah. is good. I've never actually visited, but uh, this is this is really tasty. They're usually considered pretty solid. Uh, they do a lot of pastry stouts too, but kind of good across the board. Nice. Cool. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, I think we've had a nice uh, runway here to our main topic unless unless you guys have something else you would like to talk about um, before we get into 90s nostalgia well so so first of all i was just going to uh, acknowledge that that spring training is is here and and baseball is is back and just how wonderful that is and how honestly the off season feels like it went pretty quick like i feel like we were just lamenting the fact that the world series was done and we were sad and now spring training again honestly it feels like it has gone fast to me so that's awesome um well yeah and in relation to that, we still have 
I mean, Monty is one. Monty Snell. Yeah, and, and how many uh, players Bellinger, are there unsigned? And Chapman, right? Bellinger, Bellinger Chapman, a bunch of uh, Matt yep, Chapman, right? Yep, Matty Chapman. A, yep. a bunch mm-hmm. of the top guys are still unsigned. Yeah. Yep. Which is yeah, Matt yeah. was right about that when he talked about Boris. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're gonna wait right until that last. as long as he could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> there's gonna be like injuries and shit in spring training, and then some teams are gonna get desperate, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and then Boris is gonna be a happy guy. Um, yeah, and like, what did the? I mean, I, I get there's like a certain comfort you probably want, like get your family settled and whatnot, but like they're gonna be settled before the season, like that. It, it's just they're not gonna have a couple months to get acclimated before the season. It's going to be a little bit more like ramp it up quick type thing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's the only difference. Um, so, so I have, uh, this is, this is related to our kind of idea of like nineties nostalgia baseball. Um, so I pulled up baseball reference just to have it here. So I could kind of look, look shit up as we were talking and you know how baseball reference, when you go to the home page, there's always like a set of like 10, 10 little thumbnail photos of guys that just randomly show up. Right. And one of the guys who showed up just now when I pulled it up was was Doug Mankiewicz. And mm. uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Mankiewicz. I always think of him as a twin, but I do remember when he played for the Yankees briefly. Uh, and so I have a trivia question for you guys. I want you to tell me what year he played for the Yankees because I had an idea in my head and I was way off. I'll let Matt go. 2009. Super close. I'm going to say five. Also super close. Uh, split the difference, 2007. Huh. So, and only only 72 games, and that was it. And in my mind, and I don't know who I'm thinking of, but I thought he was part of those teams when Colin and I were living together. So Colin and I used to always joke, right? These teams oh, in like yeah, 20, yeah. 2013, 2014, the rosters were just insane. And I could have sworn Mankiewicz was one of them, but I'm, I'm, I'm obviously thinking of some other people. Qualify insane. Those, those rosters? Yeah. Well, Old. insane by Old. and just like yeah, and like random, <laughs> like, insanely bad, insanely yeah, bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Your your Reed well, Brignacs I mean, uh, uh, um, and uh, Vernon Wells and your Vernon, your old Vernon Wellses. And uh, hold on, let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one up to remember other because I don't know why I was thinking Mankiewicz. That was that was 2007, you know, because that was just uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Tex was always hurt, so there were there had to have been uh, a first baseman, you know, who played yeah. a good chunk both of those seasons right um fuck who am i thinking of um uh i just had a name and then it and then it like my mind. oh i remember earlier. okay yeah, so here's 23rd lyle overbay that was the name that had just come to my yeah. mind and yeah so he played 142 games for the 2013 yankees um with an 89 ops plus um jason nix travis hafner at 36 <laughs> years old well, don't don't speak poorly about Hafner. He oh, he was great. Oh, for Cleveland yeah, he, he was, was awesome but we got Indians, we got yeah. him when he was thirty six and he had a six seventy nine OPS that year. Right? So yeah, those so 2013, 2014 teams were, were just were just ridiculous. Um Robbie Cano was great that year, and Brett Gardner was was actually pretty solid that year, uh in terms of OPS at least. And uh, other than that, it was pretty forgettable. But for some reason, I imagined Mankiewicz on those teams, but but 2007, so. Yeah. Well, and uh, you guys can fact check me, but I'm almost positive. Mankiewicz caught the final out of the 2004 World Series. He was the first baseman for the Red Sox. And Olerud was first baseman for the Yankees in 2004. And 
you know, people say a lot of different things, you know, it's the, the Dave Roberts steal, the Ortiz, but I'm, I don't know what game it was, but uh, Olerud got hurt and that kind of changed the complexion of the series too, because he was having, like, if you could look up his stats, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he was like, you know, crushing the ball or whatever. I mean, he was pretty old by that point, but um, Giambi had had his whatever because of his steroids. He had that, remember he had that like really weird abdominal issue. Um, And so they had signed, they had signed Olerud and then Giambi ended up primarily DHing toward the end of the year. uh, Some, something along those lines. And he had the big game seven in the um, ALCS the year before. Uh, in uh, 2003 with the Booney walk off, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Giambi played much in 2004, and Olerud did, and then uh, he got hurt like in Game Six or something like that, and it um might might have been different, but yeah, I mean, yeah. caught the final out wow. 2004. Yeah. Speaking of Olerud, so this is one of those like random baseball stats that for some reason is imprinted in my brain. I don't know when or why this happened, but like. Like, if I think of John Olerud, I always know he hit 363 in 1993. And he was he was playing for the Blue Jays at that time. I was like three years old. Like, there is no significance to it. I don't know why I always remember that. But I, I, I just pulled up his page to double check and make sure that I was right. And, and yes, I was. And then I'm just looking at the rest. He also hit 354 in 1998. And then wow. other than those two with years, that was with the Mets. Yep. And then other th- other than those two years, his highest batting average was 302 and 300 and then a bunch of years between like 260 and 290. So just really funny that like, you know, basically he averaged between like 270 and 300 mostly and then just randomly two years, 354 and 363. It's just very interesting how that works. And he wasn't exactly some huge power guy. So I don't I don't think we can no. really uh, credit that to like a steroid thing necessarily. Right. But uh, I think yeah. just kind of a, a, a fluky, a, more of a fluky thing. But just yeah, thought it was interesting. was an expansion year, and so was 93, actually. Oh, they yeah. Both expansion That's right. I wonder I wonder so, how much that has to do with pitching. it. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's that's an interesting yeah. thought. I mean, he, he, was, he was a good player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sol- sure. Solid player. Definitely. Yeah. It, it's funny. Did you listen to the last podcast episode? Ethan? Yeah, they mentioned him, didn't they? No, they mentioned Mark Grace. Oh, that's right. They were talking about Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Who also didn't have a lot of power as a first baseman, which, you know, is we, yeah. even even now, but even traditionally, like it's it's just not really a thing. Like first basemans are usually bashers. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're supposed way. to have power. Yep. Uh, and, yeah. And, and whatever. And all I could think of, uh, they won this game, but, but Grace did hit a homer in one of those, uh, either game four or game five of the 01 World Series with the... Um, with the Diamondbacks, um, mm. so <laughs> he may he may not have had a ton of power, you know, regularly, but he he got he got somebody in one of those games. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. He had the most hits of the nineties. Actually, he, if we want to, he was an excellent player. Yeah, he was an excellent player. I'm pulling up. I pulled up his page to double check. Five hundred eleven doubles in his career. Like five hundred doubles yeah. is 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 an amazing accomplishment, and doesn't happen that often. 303 career batting average, 825 career OPS. I mean, he was he was yeah. really an excellent hitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was a good defensive first baseman. He was a good leader from what I know. Like he's the he's the he's the type of player I feel like that's getting phased out of the game. Um, 
you know, especially the power aspect yeah. of it all. But right. you know, just the consistency year after year and somebody steady and somebody, you know, good for the clubhouse, like they just don't hold as much value these days with the way analytics um, you know, kind of t- has taken over and the like, game. And like but, three true outcomes and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So um yeah, well uh who wants to kick off the the nostalgia since we, we just talked about the best hitter of the nineties. Well, the most hits of the nineties. Have to go first because it's just and it's something we've talked about before, but I'm going to go right there. The 1995 Cleveland Indians. Oh man! <laughs> Holy fuck! Like again, every time yeah. I look at them, it's like, like they they won 100 games out of only 144. <laughs> That's a 113 win season. Yeah, God, they were good. Like you just just like just like. I mean, and there's so many things in that team that you even lose. Like Dave Winfield was on that team, but no, no one remembers yeah. that. Like I didn't. Oh wow! That. And I was like, I didn't oh, know shit. that. Yeah, yeah. Dave Winfield was Oral on the team. Hershiser was on that team. Hershiser. Well, I mean, but but like their their number one best pitcher was Dennis Martin, a 41 year old Dennis, Dennis Martinez, Martinez, right? Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, seven WAR five no five point seven WAR. Excuse me. Seven WAR was Albert Bell. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Bell, Tommy. Lofton, was that the year, Lofton, Matt? Was that the year he had 50, uh, 50 Ramirez, homers? Eddie Murray, Paul Sorrento, Tony Pena, Carlos Baerga. Oh, I meant Baerga. Speaking of uh, of nineties nostalgia, that's another one. I think it has to do with my baseball yeah. card collection. But like Carlos yeah. Baerga, for whatever, like, oh my god, that just like brings me back. Yeah, that's hilarious. Six of their starting nine had averages above three oh eight. Yeah, holy fuck. Uh, and. Like and, oh, and then on the, yeah, the bench: Sandy Alomar, Jeremy Burnitz, you know Billy Ripken. I don't know if he was actually good or not. Dave Winfield. Like there was. Uh, man. What uh, what were you asking about Manny Ethan? Oh, I was asking about Bell. I was wondering if it was ninety five, the year that he had fifty homers and fifty doubles. Uh, fifty homers and fifty two doubles. Yeah, yeah. That so having having um. I think just having a hundred extra base hits in general is, is already like rare and incredible. And I think 50 homers and 50 doubles has been done like very few times in history. I can't remember exactly, but I know that Albert Bell is like one of the few. Yeah. Surprising though, with, with those type numbers, he didn't even lead the league in OPS. Oh, interesting. Maybe he just didn't walk enough compared to, I don't know who would have been walking a bunch in. Oh, okay. 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 This makes more sense. His his OPS is 10, 10, Edgar Martinez was eleven oh seven. Ah, okay. I, Frank Thomas is a good guess too, Kyle. But yeah, uh, yeah Edgar, Edgar was, was awesome. Yeah, that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, good he time. hit three fifty with with. Uh, oh, he also played two more games than Albert, but yeah, three fifty that year. He yeah, must have walked a shit. Yeah, hundred and sixteen walks. There yeah, holy crap! Yeah, yeah. amazing. Oof. Yeah, again in one hundred and forty four games, like. Yeah, that's oof. amazing. That I just, team. I can't, like, I just, like, the, dyna- like, they were the, the dynasty that never was between, like, 95 to 99, like. Yeah. I mean, the, the Indians and the, in the uh, Braves. Yeah. I mean, I know the Braves got one. Yeah, only, but uh, only the but, one. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. the. You think about, like, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and, and then, like, Chipper. Steve Avery was really good. Andrew Jones. And yeah, mm-hmm. you think that they only won one? Yeah, Fred McGriff, right? It Javi is pretty Lopez, crazy to think about. Yeah, Mark Lemke. Oh yeah, the, Lemke. Uh, Utica. Utica. Uh, yep, Utica product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know? fascinating. Marquise Grissom was on oh, those teams. Wow, yeah, I remember him too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Jermaine Die, rookie. Jermaine Die. Oh, Jermaine Die. And uh in ninety six. Uh David Justice, he didn't play in the ninety six, but he hit the I think he hit the game winning homer in the ninety five series or the series winning homer uh against uh Cleveland. Yeah. Um I actually had – it's funny, Matt, that you let off with that because I actually wrote down the Indians and the Braves were like two of my favorite non-Yankee teams to watch. I mean the Indians just for all that star power. It's not that the Braves didn't have star power. Like, I mean we obviously just rattled off a bunch of names there, but it was like a little bit different. But the Braves were on TBS, which yep. you know, back in the 90s was a big deal. Yeah. Like I watched the Braves all the time. I watched the Cubs all the time. You could get home from <laughs> yeah. school. We would and the Cubs turn WGN on. WGN, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, then, and then you'd wait for the Yankee game or the Braves if the Yankees were off or, or you'd just switch back and forth. Like, Well, but back uh, then the Yankees were on MSG, right? And like it was yeah. – I remember like only select games were broadcast. Yeah. So well, it was when like, the Knicks were playing like early in the season, the Knicks games would, would get broadcast over – the eight, and then they would be on like something five. Um, I can't remember what the station was, but yeah, you you didn't get all the games, even even though we lived in the in the market, you know, and everything. But um, yeah, it's just so funny that I, uh, those were the two teams I had written down, and I mean, Chipper was my favorite, probably my all time favorite non Yankee who never played with the Yankees. Um. You know, A-Rod had that title until he got traded to the Yankees and then played, you know, 10 years uh, with them. But I fucking loved Chipper from the earliest days I can remember baseball. Like, he yeah. he was my favorite player outside of, you know, the the other players, which I'll get to during when it's my turn. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> oh, no, I just uh, – I wanted to just add some context to Larry. Larry <laughs> Jones. <laughs> Wow! Look at that! Look at that guy! Sorry, Amazing. Larry Jones, who named his first first son Shay because he fucking demolished the Mets. Oh, amazing! <laughs> I don't, for, for for those of you guys listening, I, I put up a baseball card. I don't know if it's a rookie card, but he just looks like the he biggest like kid. You know, he looks like he just came out of the his library. Jack, though. What? Oh yeah, well, his legs look jacked. Legs are jacked, but you know, just what? What are you doing there, Larry? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> did you get surprised on your way into the spring training stadium, and you decided you wanted to <laughs> pose with some cacti? Like, I don't, I don't get this. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is the '90s. I get it. Yeah, but still, we we need to send this baseball card to friend of the podcast Joe Poznanski and Mike Sure, and have them dissect it on their next podcast episode <laughs> because they spend a lot of time talking about the way cards have evolved over the years from being silly like that to like actual good cards. Like very now. cool. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Funny. Um, that that's the nostalgia I've got right now. You guys go, uh, I think of some other stuff. Um, Kyle. All right. Uh, well, we talked about the Indians and the Braves, so I won't do too much more of that. I did want to, I'll piggyback off a of chipper. Uh, you know, part of the reason why I loved him is because his dad was a huge Mickey Mantle fan and Mickey Mantle was my favorite player, you know, growing up, even though I obviously never saw him play. Uh, and he died when I was six years old or so. And Chipper, you know, is a switch hitter, was a switch hitter. Probably, I don't know, what do you guys think? Probably the best switch hitter since Mickey overall? 
four hundred something homers and probably a premium position. Well, he's no Bernie Williams. <laughs> I mean, Bernie had a great career, but but yeah, no, yeah. Pr- probably yeah. I don't know if there's been a switch hitter who's been better. Yeah. I'm just joking, by yeah. the way. For, for those who can't see my face. <laughs> <laughs> so I always had a lot of love for him because of that. I think it helped that the Braves never beat the Yankees in the World Series. So I never had the the angst of like a Luis Gonzalez, who I used to like until the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in the World Series. And it was like, okay, I can't be a fan of him anymore <laughs> uh, and, and everything. But yeah, Chipper, whole career, I followed him. Uh, I never like yearned for him to be a Yankee like I did A-Rod. I don't know what the difference was, but man, he, he was my favorite player and, you know, got his start in the nineties and, and everything. So I want to give a big, uh, big shout out to Chipper and I'll uh, talk about my actual favorite player from the nineties. And you guys know this, Mr. Chuck Knobloch, who oh, yeah. gets a lot of, uh, you know, negative things said about him. And I'm not going to rehash all of that, but I will say this is probably, I mean, this this is definitely me digging, but these are real things. Chuck Knobloch hit the game-tying three-run home run in game one of the, two, or the 1998 World Series, a game which the Yankees won and won that World Series. In 1999, he hit the game-tying two-run home run in game three in the World Series, which the Yankees went on to win. In 2000, he hit the game-tying sacrifice fly in the ninth inning, maybe one out, maybe two outs, I can't remember, to tie the game, send it into extras. Yankees won that World Series. In the 2001 World Series, which they lost, unfortunately, he did score the winning run in Game 5, um, You know, coming around from second base on a base hit by Soriano to right field. So... Yeah, he had a lot of really mixed bad moments probably uh in between all of that. <laughs> Matt's Matt's getting ready to talk about one. Uh but yeah, I, I just don't see how they you know, maybe they win like one of those World Series or something, but I think he was a lot more important to the team than maybe he gets remembered for not even just like those moments particularly, but I mean he was a catalyst, he was the leadoff hitter. Had a little bit of pop, you know, some steroids, I'm sure, helped him out uh, during those years and everything. Um, obviously, wish the Yips didn't get him because he was on a Hall of Fame route before then. But I loved Knobloch till the final day he played in Major League Baseball, which was that next season, 2002, with Kansas City. I have that. I showed Joe Paz when I interviewed him last time. I have that cutout of the the newspaper from the Syracuse Post Standard where it says, knock it off, Chuck, because he had a big game against the Yanks and and beat them when the Royals were, like, fucking awful, like, even worse than some of the tanking teams (laughs) these days. Um, So, yeah, Chuck was my man. What do you got? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that play is just so bizarre in general like everything that happens i mean the yankees had like so many so matt's showing knoblock standing at first base arguing a call with the umpire while the ball which is still in sight in this picture is rolling away from him and live um, and it's yeah live uh it's like the 11th or 12th inning of game two of the al uh cs the indians who which they were called at the time had 
knocked out the Yankees in the playoffs the year before. So there was a lot of um, revenge, you know, on the minds of the Yankees and everything. And they had won 114 regular season games. You know, Strawberry had just gotten colon cancer. And I mean, the Yankees had so many opportunities that game to score and they didn't. So I always hate that the the blame gets like fully placed on Knobloch because it's like there were so many moments early on where the game could have been over and even in extra innings, they they just didn't get it done. But Knobloch, you know, what's really interesting, I'll, I'll tell the story. It's in my book as well. So Knobloch pulls the huge gaff. Uh, the ball rolls away. Enrique Wilson, a future Yankee, uh, scores all the way from first base. He stumbles around third base. Uh, they still can't throw him out at the plate because I don't even know who retrieves the ball. Um, if it's O'Neal out and right, or I, I don't even know who throws it in. I, I don't even know if I've ever seen that angle. Uh, but you see Enrique just slide in ahead of, uh, I think it's Posada who's behind the plate and everything. But uh, Novlock denied after the game to the press that he did anything wrong. Um, and uh, that obviously, I mean, can you even imagine if he had done that today with social media, like what, what would happen to him? But, you know, being in New York and being the playoffs and the Yankees and everything, it was still a big deal even back in 1998. And David Cohn, de facto, you know, leader, big game pitcher uh, and, and everything, um, he sensed that this this could be something that could destroy you know, that legendary season that the Yankees were having. So on the plane to Cleveland between game two and three, he, you know, Knobloch was like in the back of the plane, really, you know, upset. He obviously knew he did something wrong, you know, and everything. He was just being defensive, you know, when the, the reporters were in his face. Um, but he got him like a couple beers and he said, you know, hey, you got to defuse this, like for the team, for us to move on and everything, like you got to own it. Um, and the next day when, uh, when, he got up in front of the media. He owned it. He said, yeah, I messed up. Um, it's on me, you know, and, and everything. And, uh, you know, went away, they got crushed in game three. So I don't know if it did really anything to lift their spirits, but El Duque bailed them out in game four. And then they were on their way uh, to the world series after, but yeah, fucking Knobloch loved him. Still love him. He's had a lot of legal uh, troubles in his non-playing days, but um, I'll never, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever love any, because again, you're a kid in the innocence of it all. I don't know if I'll ever love a player as much as I did not block. And I, and I want to add something too about all this, right? So obviously the Yankees didn't get the best of him and there's been some stuff in his post baseball career that, that, you know, like, like Colin alluded to, that isn't the greatest or whatever, but I just want to add that like his, when he was with the twins before he came to the Yankees, he was a legitimately like outstanding like top tier player i'm looking at so his first seven years of his career and seven years is often counted like when when people will look at players like hall of fame cases and they'll talk about like okay let's look at a at a player's seven year peak um i don't actually know who decided on seven but i know that it's like often used when when people are looking at players peaks and things and um so if you look so nabi played seven years with the twins his first seven years of his career before he came to the yankees he was ages 22 to 28, and his 162-game average baseball reference war was 5.4, which is, like, outstanding. That's all-star level every year. Like, he was he was a really, really good player, and then obviously things, you know, things kind of declined a little bit quicker than, than certainly the Yankees were hoping. But, like, that seven-year peak, those first seven years of his career, he was, uh, he was really outstanding. 
Um, and I think sometimes that gets lost because of all the stuff that has come afterwards, maybe. But like he was really fucking good. Yeah. And he won that World Series with the Twins in his rookie season when he was that's, rookie of the year. So that's right. He's got four rings, you know, to his name and Yeah. Could have been better, but Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Do you want me to finish off with, with my last thing? Or do you want to go, Ethan? Uh, if you've got something locked and loaded, you can. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to say my last thing, and we've talked about this topic because it's related to steroids, but I don't think there was anything, and again, maybe this is just because I was a kid, that home run race in 1998 is still something that I think about and that I wonder if it will ever be replicated if we will ever have something that magical again, like it was super fun when judgey was doing it, obviously, cause he was a Yankee and he's judge and, and everything, but oh, man, McGuire and Sosa and even Griffey for the longest time, that fucking race and what it did for baseball and, and, and everything like it was, it was just so fun. Um, I think that whole season was, was a lot of fun in, in a lot of ways. Obviously, the Yankees won big. You had McGuire and Sosa, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other, you know, storylines um, that, you know, happened that year. I mean, they, they it's widely regarded as a renaissance year in Major League Baseball, but um, just that race in particular, how fun it was to watch those guys and to check the paper every morning and see who hit a homer and who didn't and, and, and whatever. And I mean, I was a actively pulling for one of them to break Maris's record, which you would think you know, as, as a Yankee fan, you wouldn't want it, you know, broken, but I, I just thought it was so cool. I did. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know any other way. And obviously we didn't, well, I didn't know anything about the steroids, but you know, now looking back, we know that people knew uh, about it, but as a nine-year-old, I, I didn't know too much. And, and everything and uh just so fun so innocent i again I, I don't know if that can ever be replicated or recaptured but i that that is just such a special moment when i think about that race in particular no that that i mean that cemented mcguire as my fav favorite player in the 90s right like i remember really? getting getting oh yeah mcguire was my number one favorite player for the longest time wow um, funny i didn't know that yeah, oh, yeah, I loved him. I, I, I was enamored with the guy. I, I remember getting home from camping, little you know Labor Day weekend, um, when the Labor Day storm rolled through and you know de oh, yeah, devastated yeah, upstate here. New York, yeah. uh, and like hoping our power would come back on so we could watch watch the special games that weekend. And I think yeah, that, it, was, it was Tuesday, September eighth that he hit the number sixty two. Yeah, so it had to be real. It was close. Cardinals Cubs, right? Yep, yep, yeah, because yeah, because so or, yeah, Sosa was there. Yeah, yep. so I remember like hoping we could watch it, and that would have been um, back then we started school on Thursdays, so we would have been home from school. Oh those the, yeah, those are the last couple days of summer vacation. Yeah. Um. So that just yeah, I mean, I have a I have a coffee table book that I was given me given to me for Christmas that year, chronicling their 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 chase every. You know, every at bat, every game, every score, the the count at which they hit their home runs. Um, Do you still have it? Oh yeah, it's downstairs yeah, on the nice. coffee table right now. <laughs> That's um, cool. So it was big. That was really, really big. Um, now looking at the stats, I don't know how Sosa beat McGuire for MVP that year. Um, 
because the Cubs went to the playoffs. Yeah, but McGuire was one full win a bet, win better. Yeah, but they didn't know war then. Yeah, I know. Well, well, I mean, if you're going just by war, Kevin Brown, <laughs> and if you're going by position players for war, it's Barry Bonds. So of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Barry Bonds only finished eighth that year in MVP voting. Yeah. Like, That's when he said, fuck you, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go full on Roy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and break the game. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Maguire, Maguire averaged a walk, the... a walk a game that year. Like, OPS yeah. 1 point, or 122. I think his OPS plus was in the 200s. Maguire's yeah, was? What? Maguire's? Yeah. Yeah. Like just, in the what? His OPS plus was 216. Holy yeah, shit. that's pretty amazing. That's like <laughs> so that's pretty twice Bonzian. as good as the average hitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a year. Yeah, yeah. It really was. Wow. So that was uh '98 was the year Greg Vaughn hit 50 homers. Ah, uh, uh, another another Brady Anderson comp. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so speaking of Brady Anderson, like that was the Brady Anderson's 50 homer season. He hit 25 percent or 24 percent of his career home runs in one year. Oh my <laughs> god! So ridiculous. <laughs> was he putting him over the uh he was a lefty though wasn't he so he probably wasn't pulling him over the uh uh that short left field that they they pushed back yeah. right no yeah he, he he wasn't doing that he had the big wall on right i mean but camden camden was a hit it's, yeah, it's, it's small anyway yeah yeah, but, yeah so I, you know i i pulled up a steroid or a, a 1990s you know baseball summary and it, it's going through everyone you know brett boone in 2001 hit Fifteen percent of his career homers in one year. You know? uh, yeah, Luis yeah. Gonzalez hit twenty percent of his career home runs homers. in nineteen ninety. Right, like yep, fifty-seven. Fucking uh, yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, but this is talking nineteen ninety-nine. Oh no, sorry, I'm wrong. That's Jay Bell. Where's Where's Gonzalez? There's Where's Gonzalez? He's on here somewhere. Because yeah, he, he did hit fifty-seven. Yeah, yeah in 01, hit, I think. fifty-seven yeah. was sixteen percent of his career home run total all in one year, <laughs> two thousand and one. Oh my god, sixty. 16. 16. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, whoa. Yeah. Sorry, the beer's yeah. getting to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea Big Mac was your uh, was your dude, Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a, I had, I had a baseball camp. I won a Big Mac action figure. Uh, oh. It wasn't MLB PA licensed, so it said Big Mac instead of Mark McGuire. <laughs> and, and his Cardinals jersey said Big Mac on it. But but I won it. Nice. I had a, a couple of really special baseball cards. I remember I got it in a, a tops pack. It had like a special card where you peeled off the front and it was like a holographic Mark McGuire card. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I'm so excited. Um, nice. I thought that was my best card. Really. I have a Derek Jeter rookie card that I should get signed someplace. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was my all time favorite. What, um... that, that's a good, that's a good nostalgia. I, I'm all, you know, if this was South Park, I'd be all up in the member berries right now. <laughs> I remember thinking that. about all the old times and all the good good feelings of back in the day before uh-huh. uh, before all those sabermetric guys came in a real game. <laughs> Moneyball, fuck. <laughs> um, Ethan, before why Matt does his silly face, uh, <laughs> before you uh, get into your things. Or tell us your favorite player from the '90s as well. Uh, did you guys attend your first Major League Baseball game in the '90s? Oh yeah. yeah. Do you remember what year? '96. Um, was it a Yankee game? Uh, 
Yankees, Mariners, nine to they lost nine to seven. Uh, Griffey hit a three run homer. O'Neill homered two, and I think A Rod actually homered that day. Wow. I thought I saw a Yankees Mariners game as my first game too, but I'm not sure. I'd have to. I wonder if my dad would remember. I'd have to ask him. I want to say it was around ninety five, ninety six, but I, I don't. Okay. Sadly, I don't. I don't remember uh, more details than that. It's possible I got brought when I was little, you know, even littler too, and don't remember. But Yankees yeah. Mariners sticks my, in my head. Yeah, they used to play the West Coast teams like early on in the season. That used to be a thing. Okay. So if you guys went like you know, early in the season or something like that. Like that's, that's what we used to do at least. That, that's why I'm thinking of that. Cause mm-hmm. my first game was 95. So I got to see Donnie, um, which is a little nostalgic as, as well, even though it, you know, it wasn't Donnie baseball from the eighties, but yeah. um, real quick, Matt, you, you, your McGuire thing. I saw Mac hit, I'm pretty sure it was 97, so the year he gets traded, but he's still with the Athletics. Um, it's like opening day of 97. I think it's Mo's first opportunity to save, like as the full time closer. And McGuire hit a fucking bullet to the black seats <laughs> in uh, in dead center field. And uh, I just remember how silent the stadium was mm-hmm. and everything. And I remember how jacked McGuire was, and he had that like kind of mullety long hair you know, and whatever, rounding the bases, and they had the the, the dark green tops on uh, and everything, but um, I'll never forget that homer because it was fucking rocketed, and the stadium just went so silent. So uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it was 97. <laughs> nice. I got I to gotta find it. I got to find the game box score. Yankees, Mariners, had, had history. Yeah, yeah, so who's your favorite player of the 90s, Ethan, why he's, uh, um, why he's looking? Yeah, uh, so, you know, it's weird. I was thinking about it while you guys were talking about it, and I don't know if I loved... Bernie, right? Yeah, I would say Bernie, but I don't know if I loved Bernie the way you guys... Certainly not the way you loved Nobby, and and I don't know if I even loved Bernie the way that Matt loved McGuire, the way he was talking about it. It's funny, I, I inherited Donnie Baseball from my dad, um, <clears throat> right? Even though I, I may have seen him live if I, if I did go to a game in 95 which I which I think I might have. But if I didn't, I don't think I ever actually saw him live. And obviously, 95 was his last year. We were only five, six years old. Um, but, you know, Donnie is always, there's always been a soft spot from there. You know how we, we often can kind of inherit favorite favorite players and shit from our parents. Um, but definitely it would have been Bernie, yeah, in, in terms of when I kind of just developed my own favorites. And I, and I did love Bernie, but I didn't have like one of these kind of, you know, obsessive loves uh, 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 for him. Which which is interesting, because um, you know I feel like most big baseball fans as kids do have that like one favorite player that they're like super into, and I loved Bernie, and, but I, and then I had like random other players that I would get like kind of into for for a time and things. But I would, but your your love kind of reflected the personality of Bernie in a way. You know, he was very laid back, you know, and just kind of a a mellow yeah. personality compared to like what you think about a typical jock. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he's a musician, so. a very, a very good musician. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I yeah, like. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it would definitely be Bernie. Um, but it's, it's funny in, in, in thinking about all of this, right. There's kind of just like random assorted things. Oh, did you, did you get the clip? Uh, this is, this it, is the yeah. clip. Oh, so I'll show you when you're okay. done. Yeah. Um, amazing. <laughs> well, look at those. I love those dark green, uh, unis and helmets. Right? That's, that's great. Yeah. 
Um, and it was the Yankee home opener in 97, yeah, by the way. Hilarious. Oh, you can see yeah. it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's funny because like, I think what got us onto this whole 90s nostalgia thing is, is randomly like Mo Vaughn came up or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and then you know we've random other names have been mentioned that have like kind of brought it back, and for whatever reason, just some of these guys uh, just kind of do it. Like Carlos Baerga, we mentioned earlier. I feel like Colin maybe <laughs> last time or one of you mentioned um, Edgardo Alfonso. I think that's another one. Mm. So what I was yeah. thinking about, like you know, Kyle, you probably saw this um, in one of Joe Paz's recent articles. He wrote something about how um, baseball is the best when we're ten years old. And so I thought that was really yeah. interesting. And what I did is I pulled up like a, a page on 1999 uh, Major League Baseball because, you know, we're all 89 babies, right? So I pulled up 99. And I just was kind of curious. I just like pulled up the baseball reference war leaders and I just kind of wanted to look at some stuff, right? And um, obviously, you know, plenty of names that are that are um, that are nostalgic and a bunch of names we've already mentioned. But, oh, here's one. BJ Surhoff. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's Orioles. one. Orioles, yeah. Okay, but here is something really interesting that I think is shocking. So now it would be different if we went to fan graphs, right? Because fan graphs and baseball reference have different calculations for their war. And I think especially that they calculate their defense differently, but a couple of really interesting points to bring up. So in 1999 on baseball reference war, the top five are people you would expect Jeter, Bagwell, Robbie Alomar, Manny, and Andrew Jones. And actually Jeter should have won the MVP. Yeah. He that should year, right? have, yeah. Um, Number six, though, is a real shocker, and I don't think any of us would have guessed it if we had a hundred guesses. It was a thirty-six-year-old Randy Velarde. Wow! Yeah. Now, now that is um, because his defense Ooh. was very highly valued by Baseball Reference that year. I mean, he had a great offensive year as well, right? But I just like with the Angels. Um, two teams, it says. Let me click in and see. I always think of him. Well, he was with the Yankees in like the earlier nineties. Uh-huh. And then he went to the Angels. Yeah, then he went to the Angels. So 99 was Angels and Oakland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just, I like. Exactly. He was on the 2000 World Series uh, Yankee team. Oh, okay. Funny. Yeah, he's another one that like is is very nostalgic for the the 90s, I feel like. Um, And then one other point to say. So, you know, Matt was talking about the 95 Indians. And it got me thinking about that as well. Because 95 is about the time that. You know, we all would have been kind of uh, uh, developing a little bit more and probably remembering more and retaining more. Right. And um, so, again, on Baseball Reference War, the guy who led the major leagues, again, I don't think any of us would have gotten it with 100 guesses. 1995. And I actually don't even remember how to pronounce his last name. He played for the Red Sox this year. John Valentin or Valentin. Valentin. Yeah, yeah, you guys remember him? He led yep. he led the majors was 8.3 baseball reference war that year and it's because uh, they really highly valued his defense. They gave him 3 3 defensive war. Was he a 3B? Um was he a who? 3B? Uh yeah, I think he was. I think he was. I pulled him up. Let me look. Shortstop, third baseman and second baseman. What did he play primarily in 95? I'm not sure. Um I wonder if he played a lot of short that year. Uh, yeah, yeah he played short Fort that Nomar. year. So yeah, because yeah, that would make sense for the for the D for the D war being more highly valued. But I just thought that that was like shocking. Uh, that that he he led the whole major leagues. I could not believe that. But then you know, so some of the other names, right? I was just thinking about okay, what were the names that that bring me back to my childhood? And a lot of it has to do with like 
Yankees players from, you know, 94, 95, 96 on, you know, these MSG years we were talking about, right? So I'm thinking of people like Pat Kelly, who uh, I remember yeah. my, my mom always thought he was very handsome. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Tony Fernandez is another one. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Uh, great. Yo, Matt. Matt, Pat Kelly is very visible uh, during the 62nd Homer celebration. He's on the Cardinals uh, okay. that season. And you can, you, he's very visible, like in that, in that pile of people who, who uh, celebrate with Mac. Well, and also speaking of that, uh, bringing it full circle earlier, I believe Mark Grace was the first baseman for the Cubs and uh, yeah. McGuire misses the base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Of all the homers that he shakes the, his hands that year, right? Like, that one barely let skidded over the fence in left field, and mm-hmm. yep. McGuire was hustling, and then had to had to go back and touch the bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, Ethan. I, oh. just, I needed to tell Matt about Pat Kelly. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> just yeah, it's just funny how like just these certain names, right? Just like kind of trigger it for me. Another one I thought of was Graham Lloyd. Um, mm, you, down under, uh-huh. yeah. You know, I think he's the only Australian ever to win a World Series. Oh, interesting. Australian born. Yeah. Yeah. How funny. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just kind of funny to like, think about some of these players that, that, you know, we haven't thought about in who knows how long and, and how they, they like can immediately like transport you back. Like I can picture sitting on my floor in my bedroom with like my binders of baseball cards, or I can picture like Mm. sitting in the living room on the couch with my dad with like MSG. And I can imagine like Al Troutwig and Jim Cox you know, yes, calling the no. game. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and all it takes, Bobby Mercer. Yeah. Bobby Mercer. Yeah. And it's just like, you say, move on, you say Carlos Baerga or whatever. And it's like, boom. And, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Let's get this, let's get this clip going. I want to see this clip. You want to see the Homer? <laughs> yeah. And then I found the box score of the game. I saw my first game. All right. <laughs> He was primarily a setup man. Oh, is that pre-cutter, Mo? Oof. I mean, that was just a, that was like the big, the meatball, the meatballist meatball, right down the middle. Oh man. my goodness! Like Bell Eye. <laughs> it's like, have you guys ever seen the clip of um, Johnson versus McGuire in the Kingdom? Yes, yes. And McGuire hits it to like the seventh deck. Moon. Yeah. Crushes it. I'll see if I can find that for for the uh for the viewers. But All so right. I was wrong. On my unfortunately my first game was not nineteen ninety six. It was nineteen ninety seven. Okay. Um, give you guys one oh. guess as to the Yankees starting pitcher that day. Kenny Rogers. No. Oh, that was a good one though. Uh, not Pettit. That's too obvious. Ninety-seven. Uh, Hideki Arabu. It was Arabu. Fuck yeah! Arabu oh. started that day. He made it two innings. And uh, <laughs> was this it? Was it his debut? No, 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 no. He was his debut. I thought was in Detroit that year. I, I don't know. I'm just asking. Um, no. Um, let's see if I'm right with that. Because if I am, that's just nuts. But um, no, he he. He played, made it two innings, then Ramiro Mendoza came in. Uh, but <laughs> Mendoza. There's another the, one, Ramiro Mendoza. Yep. Mariners just teed off. I mean, Jose Cruz did a homer that day. 
A Rod hit a homer that day. Jay Buner hit a homer that day. Ken Griffey hit a homer that day. Wow. Um, for the Yankees, only uh, Paulie hit a bomb, and then Tino hit two. Yeah, did uh, Tino? That was Tino's yeah, 44. I was going to say he hit 44, 44 that Tino. year, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and yeah, the Yankees lost 9 to 7. Starting pitcher for the Mariners, Bob Wolcott. Never heard of him. Oh, I actually do know that name. It is familiar and, to um, me. Just some some highlights from different each team, right? Like, uh, I mean, the Mariners are the, they're pretty good power. You know, Joey Cora, A Rod, Ken Griffey, Edgar, Jay Buner, Paul Sorrento. It's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, the Yankees. Um, Scott Scott Pose. Anyone ever heard of the Scott yep, Pose? Yep, yep, oh, I yep, don't remember yep. him. Uh, Louis Soto got name. the start that day at second base. Okay. Nice. Because um, Pat Kelly was sucking. Charlie Hayes is at third. Wade Boggs is the DH that day. Chad Curtis in center field. Oh, boy. Wow. We didn't get to see uh, Bernie. Yeah. yeah. So. Nice. Girardi started behind the plate. Yep. Awesome. And three at-bats only saw six pitches. Way to go, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He was he was uh too happy about his triple in the the ninety six World Series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been an out if it was any other player, but Grissom was playing so far <laughs> in that he had to run like thirty feet to catch it. <laughs> uh, <sighs> all right. So before I show this clip, oh, wow. you guys can see Arabu died. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah a few yeah, years ago. Was... Yeah. Yeah, it was it was sad, yeah. Yeah, really sad. It, it was like his baseball experience fucked him up. Not not necessarily the Yankees in particular, but just the whole, you know, thing coming over to America and just isolation and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, super sad. Uh, so when I show this clip, you guys can we, – we have the fortune of seeing the signals here. And if this is the only signal, it looks like he's calling for a fastball inside. I'm just curious as to where the pitch – ends up before Maguire destroys it. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look. Yeah, it looks like it was the only sign. Not no, inside. Not inside. <laughs> the, the camera uh, just goes, I I give up. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm gonna see it I'm gonna zoom in on the second deck and hopefully catch it. Nope. <laughs> wow. Was that the same year? Did it, did it say I mean the the uh the jerseys the look the same, so Yeah, yeah. Like that's a key, he, like that that's a dome. That, that's that's very far away. <laughs> Seiko. Oh man. Okay. Well, we're talking nineties nostalgia. You know what I watched yesterday that always will make me smile. I, I for some reason yesterday saw the Kenseiko Homer off the head clip. Oh hell yeah. Um, <laughs> like for an athlete, Jose, that was very bad. Uh, just for, <laughs> for the uninitiated out there, uh, a baseball player who was very muscular and very athletic, but terrible at the outfield. Was going to catch the ball, completely missed it. It bounces off of his head and over the fence and was a home run. Hey, Scotty Brocious. Uh, yeah. Baroa. Look at what number he wears. I had no idea he was number seven. Oh, yeah, how about that? Good, and I, I will say I was right. Hideki Arabu's first game was against the Tigers. Okay. In Detroit? Uh, yes. Yeah. When 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 was that game? Was it like in April? July. Not not, uh, not a Robbie's first game, but the game you went to. Oh, um, July twenty sixth. So is oh wow, okay. it's only his fourth start. Yeah, I, I don't think he. I don't think he got called up right away. Yeah, so he he pitched it was and it was the first 
game that he got pulled after two innings. Man, oh, he's okay. dunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I think he was. I think we traded him in two thousand to the Expos, right? If you're looking at his page, I, I don't know. Let's see. Um, yep, uh, two two thousand uh, between ninety nine yeah, and two thousand traded them. Let's see transaction. Yeah. Rings. Yeah. So I mean, he he got two rings. Yeah, not bad. Yep. We traded him. Oh come on. For a, for a player a, to be named later, and players to be named later, and Jake Westbrook, Jake Westbrook, wow. and Cleveland. those players to be named later, Christian Parker and Ted Lilly. Oh, Ted Lilly. Ted Lilly. Okay. How about that? Yeah, that was a good one. He was a good lefty for a while. Yeah, never with the I Yankees think, though. It seemed like after he left the Yankees, he got better. Yeah, I always think of the you know the the moose clip where he tells Tori to like fuck off and get back to the dugout. I think. Ted Lilly had that moment in Toronto. Um, whoever the the manager was, he got like really pissed off. Like a Trevor Bauer, you know, who uh, he, they're not the first pitchers to get pissed off, but um, yeah. just I'll never forget that either. Ted fucking Lilly. Yeah, wow. Ted Lilly made eighty million dollars playing baseball. God damn. Dude. I mean, he was a lefty. If you can throw. Yeah. Dodgers, Cubs, Blue Jays. A's Yankees Expo. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't oh no, it was Corey Lytle who passed away. Uh, oh. in the plane crash. In the plane crash. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't remember that. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, crashed yeah. into a building in New York City. Jesus. I think he was like a, a similar type lefty that was on the Yankees briefly in nine or two thousand seven ish, six, seven, somewhere around there. Also next to Scott Brocious is Angel Baroa. On hell? That's on hell, Broha, yeah. That's that's, uh, I that's thought, another uh, throwback. On hell, Baroa. That's a it's a different Baroa because On hell, Baroa was a came up in two thousand one and um with the Royals and never played with the A's. Got it. So that's yeah. a different Baroa. I was wondering because I was like I could have sworn because I thought Baroa like won Rookie of the Year with the Royals and he did yeah in oh yeah, three, yeah. and so I was yeah. confused by that yeah. picture. That really good season they yeah. had. Yeah. Let's see well, here. 80, 80 wins. Um, it was Geronimo Baroa. I actually do remember that name now that I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing name. Geronimo Baroa. Yeah. This is the year where Brocious hits like 201 or something yeah. like it. Oh, geez. And then he hits, then he hits like 302 with the Yankees in 98. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. 500. Oh, my God. They just showed on the big screen. Mark McGuire, home run number 27. I think he hit 58 that year between Oakland and uh, St. Louis. 538 feet Ooh. is what it says. Holy shit. I, I don't even know. Is that possible in a dome? If you hit it far enough, yeah. I mean, I feel like our, our distance measuring is a lot more accurate now with StatCast. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I take it with a grain of salt. But Right. I, I'm just saying in general, yeah. though, is that even possible in a dome? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, real quick, Brocious's OPS plus in nineteen ninety seven with Oakland was fifty three. Sixty eight. Fifty three. Ah. Way even worse. And then in nineteen ninety eight <laughs> with the Yankees, one twenty one. So he went from fifty percent below average to twenty percent above average. 
I don't know uh, what the fuck happened. If 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 the Yankees oh. just hooked him up with some different kind of roids that worked better, or what? Uh, I believe oh. it's Yankees black magic, right? Yankee, or Yankee black magic? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the Mike Sure term, exactly. Look yeah. at me quoting the podcast. I know, very impressive. <laughs> Love <Wow>. it. <laughs> Funny. Well, boys, I wonder. You know, I I am. Uh, probably between the three of us, I, I know I am. Um, but we all have a, a certain love for the classic rock era of music and everything. And I often wonder, you know, what it would have been like to, you know, actually been alive then and appreciate the music when it first came out and everything. And I don't know. I just feel like the nineties is like the classic rock era of baseball. And I, I don't know if you guys, you know, have that, type of sentiment, you know, toward it all. And like Joe Paz says, any, anytime you're 10 years old, that's going to be the best. But I think like in terms of a pure decade and like what was experienced, you know, Toronto winning back-to-back world series, you had the expos in 94 with the the strike that we've talked about before and didn't get into today, the Yankee dynasty, all those great individual seasons, you know, Mac Griffey, Johnson, you know, and everything like, bunch of expansion like i I don't know there's there's just something about that decade that see i thought you were referring to lots of drugs and loose morals but okay (laughs) well that was the 80s for baseball that was the cocaine (laughs) era (laughs) well i mean you know steroids you know that's a different type of drug but (laughs) Uh, don't forget amphetamines yes Mm -hmm. yes very important to the players back in the day yes true that's yeah. right. I mean, I, I just wonder though, like if, if like Stella, for example, ever got, you know, super excited about baseball, like the three of us, would she look back at the nineties and been like, wow, I wish I was alive for the nineties. Cause that, that was so fucking cool. Yeah. Type thing. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was interesting. I feel like like 30 years ago is like kind of a sweet spot all also. You know, like when we were growing up and listening to classic rock music, listening to music from the 70s, it was like in the early, you know, it was in the aughts and stuff. Right. So there's this kind of like 30 yeah. ish years ago that that and now that's, you know, now that's the at, at this point, the the mid 90s. Right. Um, mid and early 90s. And so uh, maybe there's something to that as well. Remember, though, it's ever evolving. Classic rock radio stations play. Play uh-huh. you know, Soundgarden and Ozzy Osbourne and Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> these days. So. Right, that's true. That's, uh, that's true. so crazy. We yeah. old. Yeah, I wonder. Like, <laughs> I've thought about asking my students, like, it what what they consider classic rock now. You know what I mean? Because um, I yeah. yeah, I think the definition has got to be different for them. Um, Twenty one yeah. pilots. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Godsmack or something. You know. Which which I like. There were a couple of I'm not the one who's so yeah. far away. I, I really liked them for for a minute there. I have to see you uh, a Godsmack CD. Yeah, probably. Yeah, me and my dad uh, and my brother was young. I don't know if he would have been listening at that time. And Godsmack too, but... is just an Alice in Chains ripoff. You know, like. <laughs> But like a cool, cool deeper has a voice. song called Godsmack or something like that. So. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next episode, we just do nostalgic music. <laughs> Keep the train uh-huh. going. <laughs> All right. We did it. All right, boys. Any other shout outs before uh, you get back to your girls? 
Um, Carlos um, Baerga. <laughs> yeah. Yep, thank you, No Carlos. mentions of Movon this week, Ethan. I'm very disappointed. Well, because he, uh, he, he got, he got lots of shout-outs last time, you know? Yeah, yeah but... He, he did mention him. I did mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you, you just said his name. You didn't really, you know, you didn't really wax... Wax poetic or rhapsodic? Uh, no, I'm looking... I, I earlier stumbled across a photo of Movon on a throne. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but instead... Uh... I'm going to just, for everyone's amazement and enjoyment, I'm going to just post, because here, if I could sum up 1990s baseball, <laughs> this just this caption to this photo for everyone who can't, to just move on with a giant sandwich. And and that, to me, <laughs> look on his face. What is he at, like Carnegie Deli or something? That's hilarious. Giant eight-inch tall sandwich. Amazing. Held together, not with a toothpick. But with a shish kebab skewer. Oh, that's so funny. It was wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh. Matt just left the party. Yeah, I wonder if he did that on purpose. You know you know why? Is because the share screen's right next to the leave. I almost did it oh, like multiple times okay. when I was sharing today. I, so. I wonder if he'll come back in I just to say bye. I can't even do the we are. Yeah, you're right. You, go, yeah, ah. you gotta. Yeah, maybe we gotta give him a few seconds and see if he comes back on because he he needs to do that for brother I Jeremy. Can't I did there that. we go. Okay, I can't right. believe I did that. <laughs> I was waxing too much on Mo Vaughn. There you go. It's the danger. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, uh, until next time, we no, are. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. I already. Yeah, said he already it. said it. Stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>